0: Well, good morning. I was thinking this morning before uh, before I dive into my message. I was thinking this morning about Memorial Day, and um, <clears throat> I did this this was the the line of thought that that occurred to me. I thought, you know, every week is every day is Memorial Day for a believer in Jesus because it's an opportunity to remember the one who gave up his life for our freedom, Jesus. So I was thinking about that as it pertains to even the communion and all of that, and then I kind of went to this place. In my mind, I thought it was thankful for all of the men and women uh, throughout the history of our country who have given their lives for our freedom. I was thinking about, uh, then it went to a place I hadn't thought of really in the same way. And I just thought about how how many people have given up their lives for the gospel, which brings freedom. And I was thinking about how uh, there's no Memorial Day for them. And I just thought it would be appropriate for us this morning just to pause and pray for this whole range of things. So let's just pray, and then we'll dive into the message. Okay, join me in that if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for the many people throughout the history of the earth who have given themselves that all of us might be free physically free, spiritually free. We thank you first and foremost for Jesus. We thank you that he gave his life, that we might know forgiveness of sins and freedom from the consequences of that sin. And we're, we're grateful today. We'll be eternally grateful. And we just want you to, we want to express that to you, our gratitude and uh, our appreciation. Thank you. And thank you, Lord, for uh, the men and women who've sacrificed themselves, that the gospel itself, that this Bible that we hold in our hands and sometimes take free- granted people who gave their lives, that, that the words of freedom that it provides and teaches, that your spirit uses to, to mold and shape our lives in ways that lead to freedom. We thank you for them, the sacrifice that they've made. We thank you for the sacrifice of people all over the earth, um, men and women and children, who are dying because they have chosen to follow Jesus, dying in the process of trying to help others know the freedom that he can provide, that only he can provide. We pray for your blessing on them and their families and those that are dear to them. And we thank you for, the, for blessing us in ways we're even unaware of because of that. And we want to thank you this morning for the men and women Children, perhaps, even in some instances, who have given their lives for the benefit of freedom in our country. The first responders of our world who, um, at risk to themselves, uh, provide protection, safety, health, and well-being for all of us. We're so grateful, God. We um, repent of the fact that often we live in ways that don't deserve that kind of sacrifice, but we thank you for them. We honor them. We ask, God, that you would help us to honor them most by treating freedom with respect and treating you with respect. Help us to that end, Father, as individuals, as a nation, as a world, as a globe. Thank you, God, for your grace. We lift this prayer to you with gratitude in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll bless you all. Thanks for... Indulging that this morning as we dive into this, I've been uh, just was thinking about that this morning and thought that was something that God maybe wanted us to do. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated with how things that start out really small can sometimes grow uh, rather large, really large. Yesterday morning, it was an example of that about uh, 4.30 in the morning, Lori and I were awakened from a dead sleep by our youth pastor, Cody Shepard. And no, there was not a problem. Uh, his wife, Erin, who was nine months pregnant was going into labor and after nine months of waiting uh, she gave birth yesterday to a little boy Asa, uh, Asa Joshua Shepherd. Asa, jo- and I thought they knew this ahead of time clearly they knew it was going to be a boy and they knew it because look he's got his little name on his hat there <laughs> so uh, Asa Joshua Shepherd 7 pounds 11 ounces mom and baby are doing great uh, but they're, uh, they're at the hospital at the moment and just kind of in the process of uh, recovering from, from yesterday. But uh, I just kept thinking yesterday as we were kind of hanging some yesterday and Jim and Aaron Brown came yesterday, all of us kind of tag teaming, hanging with Jonathan and uh, jo- uh, Judah, their other boys. And uh, just thinking about how fascinating it is to me that babies begin small, but they don't stay that way, do they? I mean, little Asa here is one day going to grow up. He's one day going to graduate. He'll probably get married, probably have children. He will have a ripple of influence in our world. He will not be able to wear that hat anymore. I mean, it'll, he'll be a big deal at some point in time in his life. He starts as a little big deal now, but he will be a big, big deal someday. But it all starts small, doesn't it? It all starts small. Heard a fascinating story uh, recently of small beginnings that I also enjoyed. It uh, involved a young man named Kyle McDonald. Kyle was stuck in a dead-end job. He was strapped for money. Ever heard anybody like that? I mean, there's a lot of folks in our world like that. He came up with an improbable plan for how to solve his problem. And starting with one red paper clip, he was going to trade things with people on the internet until he eventually exchanged it for a house. Moms and dads, does this sound like your dream for your child? No, not really, but this was his plan. And, you know, that he kind of had a plan and worked his plan kind of deal. First, he traded the red paper clip for a fish shaped pen. Next, he traded the pen for a doorknob. He traded the doorknob for a Coleman stove. He traded the Coleman stove for an electric generator. This is all on the internet. He traded the electric generator for a Budweiser sign and a keg of beer, which he then traded for a snowmobile. Somebody really wanted the keg of beer. That's what that means. traded for a snowmobile. Exactly one year and 14 trades later, against all odds, Kyle McDonald finally reached his goal. He exchanged a part in a Hollywood movie for a home in Saskatchewan, Canada. Here he stands. A different red paper clip because he gave that one away. This is, this is but this, this was the dream, the, the red paper clip. The t- true story, Kyle McDonald is now, uh, it's told in, in his book, one red paper clip, and the book's currently being developed into a movie uh, by MGM Studios, and uh, it all began that, the house, uh, his current notoriety and fame, uh, the book, the movie deal, it all began, I might add, even all the money that he now has in his bank account from all this. It all began with one really small red paperclip and kind of an idea. We all like stories like that. I mean, all of us. We love stories of small beginnings, whether they involve babies or red paper clips or businesses or people who... Were nobodies who over time become somebodies, and would it surprise you if I told you that Jesus likes those kind of stories too? I mean, Jesus loves stories of small beginnings, and if you look in your Bible, he uses a couple of illustrations of that repeatedly throughout the scriptures involving small beginnings, and it's particularly talking about seeds and gardens, and this is kind of One of the analogies that he uses to kind of convey this idea of how important this is and what a big deal it is. Jesus describes the nature of his kingdom in these kinds of terms. And if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Scripture this morning. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 31. Open up your Bible to there. If you don't have one of your own, grab one on the shelf in front of you. If uh, there's not one there, you can look up on the screen with me. But we're going to look at these verses together uh, where we see Jesus talking about this kind of description, these small beginnings kinds of illustrations that are important to him. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33, only three verses, three verses here. This is what the scripture says. Here's another illustration Jesus used, the Bible says. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. You know, these parables reveal a lot, uh, Jesus uses here. But in particular, what I want you to see this morning as we work our way through these verses and some others like it, I want you to see that they reveal the manner in which good and evil expand in our world, expand in our lives, and expand in God's kingdom. I mean, so many things are illustrated by this. I just want you to, to capture this this morning, the way good and evil and all things really expand in our world. According to Jesus in these particular verse, verses and parables, significant growth and change and transformation in our world, in our lives, and our kingdom, his kingdom, starts really small. Sometimes we think growth and change happens when something big happens, something catastrophic or something cataclysmic or something major. But the truth is all lasting, substantive, really meaningful change, the kind of change that that has lasting determinative value really happens small first. And Jesus in the text uses a gardening illustration. Talks about seeds, mustard seeds. I don't have any mustard seeds, but I got some watermelon seeds here that uh, are not as small as mustard seeds nor do they grow as big as a mustard tree but look at this you've all had you've all had watermelons you've all had to contend with the seeds but you know you take these little seeds put them in the ground what happens in a of, Okay, so he says, it won't grow. <laughs> Not true. Now, do you put them in the ground? What happens is they'll grow. I mean, the, you put them in the ground about an inch deep in the soil, if you do it according to the instructions, plant them six to eight feet apart in about 75 days, if there's appropriate water along the way, these seeds will become exponentially larger. And, you know, you could take one of these seeds out of one of those watermelon and plant and get many, many watermelons as a byproduct of that. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing illustration of growth and expansion and how something small becomes something large with significance. Jesus doesn't stop there. He uses a baking illustration. He uses yeast as an illustration. Talk, it's, yeast is a living cell. We're familiar. This is what it looks like if you were to look at it on a microscopic level. And you'd have to look on it at it on a microscopic level because The only other way that you know yeast is working is in your cinnamon rolls. I say cinnamon rolls because that's how I like to see it work. (laughs) I like to see the cinnamon rolls get bigger and then I want to pour all kinds of sugar over the top and, and then I need to take a nap and various other things. But anyway, the idea is that yeast it's It's small, so small you can't even see it with your eye, but you can see its influence and its exponential influence compared to its size. Both mustard seeds, yeast, start small, but they grow exponentially and you can see the end result. Jesus used these things for illustrations for a reason. He did it on purpose. He wants us to understand how little things can have significant and huge Influence. For the next few minutes, I want to draw your attention to three instances in particular when Jesus used these parables about mustard seed and yeast, where he was kind of conveying this idea that something small has the potential to have exponential impact. And my hope is that we'll listen carefully to these instances, and if there are any of these instances where there's a need for some kind of influence, exponential influence or change or difference to be made in our lives that we'll uh, we'll listen and hear from the Holy Spirit and take appropriate action if it's in our power to do so. Three instances when Jesus utilized these parables. The first one shows up that I want to draw your attention to in Matthew 17 verses 14 to 20. It says, after the transfiguration, this amazing event that's taken place up on a mountain, Jesus, the disciples, uh, Jesus is transfigured, which what the what the word literally means is he's transformed before their very eyes, and he becomes he just glowing white. He's brilliant, the glory that was his in the heavens before he was born in the flesh. It's like it, it it's like comes over him in that moment, and the disciples see it with their own eyes. That scene has ended. They've come down the mountain. And it says in Matthew 17, verse 14 and following, the disciples still in awe. says, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on his son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. I mean, it, 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 and you have to understand, I don't think it's an insult as much as an exclamation of frustration. It's like, you faithless and corrupt people. He, this is, he's, just, he's beside himself with, with our culture and with our tendency. How long must I be with you, he says. How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. It, it's kind of that, you know, I've got to do this, I guess. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him, and from that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. I think when he said, say to this mountain, I think he was pointing at the mountain that he was transfigured on. Just pointed to it. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would do so. Jesus is speaking here about the nature of faith and how it works. And it often missed by us what he's really talking about because some of us, we read this passage and we, we... hear words about demons, we see him casting out a demon, and some of us, that freaks us out. Some of us, we look at this, and we just kind of focus in on Jesus being frustrated with his disciples, and we think, I guess I didn't think about the fact that maybe Jesus would get frustrated sometimes with our lack of faith and with just who we are, and we get bogged down in that in our mind. Some of us hear him talking about moving mountains, and we're just like, is he speaking literally? Is this a metaphor? We get bogged down in that. But the real point of what Jesus is driving at here is that it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to see astonishing things happen. Mustard seed of faith, if you will. Just a mustard seed of it, just a little bit. Mustard seed is a, is a fraction of the size of the watermelon seed I just showed you. Just a little bit of faith is, is what he's saying. He's saying and if we have that kind of faith... And don't doubt, as he says in other places, things that are impossible will no longer be impossible. He's stretching our thinking. Do we have mustard seed kind of faith? Do we need mustard seed kind of faith in some area of our lives right now? On another occasion, Jesus was teaching about forgiveness. A lot of us don't associate forgiveness with all of this, but in Luke chapter 17, verses 4 to 7, Jesus was teaching and he said, if your brother wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. I, this is what I think that happened to them. They just heard him say, if he, if he sins against you seven times a day and he asks for forgiveness, you've got to forgive him. And they're like, What? Show, you know, he's just, they're like shocked by that. Show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. you know, Jesus is talking about mountains being thrown in the sea, moved, and mulberry trees, started. and again, we kind of get bogged down on this thing, but you notice the context that he's speaking of. He's not just talking about faith. What's he talking about? Forgiveness. That's where he starts. That's the context, what he's saying. Jesus is speaking here about the faith that's needed to forgive sometimes. He's just saying you don't need a lot. You just need to act on what little you have. Amazing things could happen. Mustard seed forgiveness. It is an act of faith to forgive. Any of us? Need to exercise a little exercise a little bit of mustard seed forgiveness in some relationship in our lives. And the third instance where Jesus uses this kind of analogy is in Matthew 16. But in this instance, he uses yeast this time. I want to use this one, to kind of complete the picture of those earlier verses. In Matthew 16, verses five and following. The Bible describes how later, after they crossed the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered that they'd forgotten to bring any bread to the Sunday-plus-pitch-in. Now, there's no Sunday-plus-pitch-in in in the Scripture there, but they had forgotten to bring bread. And uh, Jesus, in the next verse, says, Watch out, Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. You see, they're, they're thinking in terms of bread, and Jesus knew what they were saying, and so he said, you have so little faith. It's, why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up, or the 4,000 I fed with five, uh, seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, here Jesus was using yeast as an illustration, he was as an illustration of how deceit and evil can quietly yet thoroughly spread and permeate everyone and everything around it. And I just wonder, is there any yeast growing in our world today that you see, deception or evil that has started small, but you look at it and it's just growing bigger and bigger and bigger and influencing people around it. And I mean, these parables reveal the manner in which good and evil expand in our world and in our lives and in God's kingdom. And with all of that in mind, here's something that I think Jesus wants you and me to take away from these verses. And I hope you'll ponder this today. I hope you'll ponder it in the days ahead. Here's the principle, really. That underlies all of this. Don't underestimate the power of small things. Don't underestimate the power of small steps of virtue or vice in your life. Don't underestimate the power Of small steps of faith, small steps of forgiveness, small steps of generosity, small expressions of patience, small expressions of kindness. I mean, all of these things and more that we could stack up here, they are seeds planted that in time have the power to change a life, whether it's yours or someone else. Don't undervalue what God values greatly. Likewise, Jesus would want us to understand. He would want us to not underestimate the power of small steps of evil in our lives. That small lie, that small demonstration of deceit or pride, just a little lust is bad. You may think to yourself, oh, I can excuse this. It's not a big, big deal. I haven't become a prostitute. I haven't become a, you know, a, whatever, whatever. But Jesus is saying, he's saying, no, don't, don't you understand, beware of the yeast of lust, pride, arrogance, selfishness, greed. He just wants us to understand that there's seeds planted, that that like yeast. Imperceptibly grows and suddenly you start seeing its influence and you think, Where did that begin? The truth is, it did have a beginning place and it was someplace small. And you just need to roll the clock back to when you started planting seeds of that. So, my question for you this morning are you planting any seeds? Of virtue or vice in your life what seeds are you planting and here's the truth of life we reap what we sow we reap what we sow it would seem that that would be an obvious statement to make in the state of Kansas you know where we understand planting and harvesting and yet we understand what we understand on a physical plane, sometimes we don't make the leap to the Spirit. And Jesus is trying to do that in these passages with us. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. I just want to encourage you, don't underestimate the significance of the small steps. They're seeds. God's kingdom grows in us through those kinds of seeds. So is there some step of faith? Some step of generosity, some step of reconciliation or forgiveness, some step of selflessness that you know the Holy Spirit is challenging you to take this morning. Maybe there are certain steps that you've been taking that have been, um, you started down a path and you. You grew up, you knew it wasn't right to lie. You knew it wasn't right to behave in certain ways. And like now you find yourself trapped in these things. And, and what the Holy Spirit is saying this morning, stop planting that kind of stuff. Yesterday was yesterday, but today is today. Leave yesterday behind. From this day forward, plant no more. Don't plant any more weeds in your life. The metaphor Jesus used last week. Because when you and I stop planting weeds, eventually, with the Holy Spirit's help, we'll stop growing weeds. Small things can have a huge significance if we'll take them seriously. I was thinking about that this week as I was kind of preparing. I just thought, you know, we've got all kinds of discussions going on in, uh, between North and South Korea and that whole part of the world. Why? What? Atoms are just little things. You can't even see them with the naked eye, right? What happens if you split an atom which you don't, can't see with the naked eye? Catastrophic things happen. Something little that has exponential transformative capability Consequently, you've got nations all over the world talking about these kinds of things because it's a big, big deal. Small things can have huge impact. Think about that with regard to cancer cells. How many of us, you know, you can't even see the cancer cell, but what does it do? It's just like yeast, it just spreads through the body, left unchecked. I mean, Jesus could have picked thousands of illustrations of this in our world because the principle permeates the world. We just need to let it permeate us. So will you do that today? Will you just open your heart to God and whatever he has to say to you? One last thing. When you think of all of history and you think of all of the the great events that have happened, the wars and and kings have risen and influenced the world in various ways and Inventions, you think of medical kinds of discoveries, all these kinds of things. Who would have thought from a human vantage point that the most pivotal moment in all of human history was when a lonely Jew who was sorrow, you know, just filled with sorrow was turned on by the world and crucified on a cross, and of all places, Jerusalem. And what do we find in Scripture that that one, really about, depending on whether you want to think of the whole time the suffering, which is about 24-hour window of time, 24-36 hours, you know, or just the three hours that he's on the cross, three to six hours he's on the cross? Who would have thought and imagined, from a human vantage point, that something that small in the scheme of time would have the pivotal transformative influence that it does. Because of that one moment on the cross, that short window of time, all of mankind have the potential to be forgiven for their sins and have a relationship with the Father, have vice that is our nature transformed into the potential for virtue I mean, it's amazing. Don't underestimate the value of the cross. It can change your life if you'll let it. That's why Jesus endured what he did. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Maybe this morning you need to uh, invite Jesus' blood which was shed, his blood compared to our, I mean, small in quantity, but unequaled in influence. Maybe you need to just ask him to cleanse you with his blood. Maybe you, this morning, have some other area of your life that the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about in your spirit. You just think, I need to change this. I need to stop planting seeds of evil in my heart. I need to start planting seeds of virtue. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe there's something else that God's talking to you about, but God has a plan for each of us. Just open your heart to Him; He'll speak to you. Let's bow our heads and pray. If you need prayer afterwards, we'll hang around and pray here. And obviously, uh, we're going to enjoy a meal together. Hope that you'll join us for for, uh, chicken afterwards and uh, the fellowship. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you even modeled this Lord Jesus yourself. I mean, you were one person. And all of humanity has been impacted by your life. We're eternally grateful for that. And even you began as a little baby, just like little Asa. We marvel at that. We ask, Lord, that you would help us, for our, help our faith to grow, our faith to forgive, our faith to walk in your ways and plant seeds of goodness and righteousness in our lives. Give us the faith to leave behind Choices that seem like freedom but don't lead to freedom. They're deceptive by nature. Help us, to, help us to choose you and your ways because your ways truly do lead to freedom and joy and hope and peace and love and gentleness and, and ultimately in the long-term eternal life with you. Help us to choose you. We thank you, Lord, that you came to teach us these kinds of things and so much more. Give us ears to hear, faith to believe, encourage to walk in your ways. May you bless us in that way, Father. And now would you bless our meal as we enjoy each other's fellowship and as we reflect on these things and pray that you'd bless our nation as our nation needs to make these kinds of choices. God, help us to remember that the good of our nation is intrinsically tied to the goodness in me. And So help me to choose these things for my good, for my family's good, for our nation's good, and because Jesus suffered, then I might have this choice. Help us to that end, God, and we'll give you credit throughout all eternity for the good that results. Bless our time together now. In Jesus' name, we lift this prayer, and everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. 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 Bless you guys.